Well, thank you again, everybody, for joining us from all over the world. I'm Father Chris Alar, one of the Marian Fathers here at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy, and we're continuing our series of bringing you the best, what I feel is the best of what I learned in seminary. Uh, this has been a regular event now for a year and a half since COVID started, and God bless all of you who have been with us. All our talks are on our YouTube and Facebook channels. So today I'm excited because a big part of our Catholic faith, which seminaries do not teach enough of, is the saints. And so this whole month of October is power-packed with saints. And so let us offer uh, today, uh, or ask for the intercession of St. Therese of Lisieux, the little flower, and I'll say this before we begin. It's not easy, in my opinion, to become a saint. It's a lot of work, it's a lot of sacrifice, but St. Therese found us, of all the ones I've ever learned, the easiest way. And it's called the little way. And that's what we're going to describe to you today. Let us begin with the prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask that you send the Holy Spirit down upon us to open our minds and our hearts, to receive the grace you wish to bestow through the intercession of a beloved saint named St. Therese, the little flower. And through her little way, may we all become saints, all who are watching and the ones we are praying for. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you all, and thank you. I, I'm racing in and out. Uh, I was in Florida yesterday. Uh, you know, it's funny because I always teach about trust and, and everything. And so I got to the uh, Orlando airport yesterday, well before my flight, and I wanted to work on this talk for today. And all of a sudden, I get a notification that the flight's going to be delayed. Well, I noticed then that I was going to miss my connector in Philly. So I said, okay, what do I do? And I started walking down the to the customer service, and I see at the airport another flight to Philly, which is like two hours earlier. And I said, oh, thank you, Lord. And so I go to the flight for Philly, and I, they had one seat left. And I got on that seat, and I'm like, thank you, Lord. Well, then that flight was delayed. And they said 15 more minutes, then a half an hour, then 45 minutes, then an hour, then an hour and a half, then two hours. Finally, that plane left later than my original flight that I was supposed to get on. So I missed the connector and they missed my luggage because the, flight, the plane that the luggage went on didn't catch up with the connector. And so anyway, I lost my luggage and I didn't have wallet. I don't have ID. I don't have money. I don't have anything. And I'm trying to get home and my gas tank was empty. And so I'm just having the worst day and I'm in the airline seat and I'm just sitting there and then this guy next to me leans over and he says, Father, he says, and here, you know, we're supposed to be the ones that console the laity. And he says, Father, what can I do for you? And so I was just like, oh, it's been a rough day. And, and so he starts telling me about trusting God. And so I was laughing and it was funny because I was then later in the flight as we landed, I was talking um, to trying to get some help from somebody up here in Stockbridge. And I said, you know, I don't think I'm going to make it home. I said, if I just had $5 to get gas, if I just had $5, I'm talking real low because I don't want him yelling at me on the plane. 
I says, if I just had $5, I could get home, but my wallet is in my bag, and they lost the bag. And I said, if I just had $5, I think I could get home. And all of a sudden, a hand reaches from the seat behind me and hands a $20 bill to be able to see. That's, that's the beauty of what we're doing here today. This is the beauty of our faith and the beauty of what we have in our Catholic faith. And not just Catholic faith, that all people, if we just love, this is what, and Catholic faith is the way to get to heaven. That's why you put the two together, the, the teaching of the church and with love, you got the dynamite combination. And St. Therese found it. So let's talk about St. Therese. You saw on your screen on the title slide, that we want to follow the little way. This is something that she taught us that is very powerful. Now, who is St. Therese? One of the most beloved saints. All right, she was born Marie-Francois Therese Martin. Now, this is France. She was born in France in 1873. She died at only 24 years old in 1897. Now, we know her as St. Therese of the Child Jesus or some St. Therese of Lisieux which is a town in France where she was from. Let's look at our next slide. Here's a famous picture of her with her parents. Now, she was born on January 2nd in 1873 to these pious parents. You know, they were canonized. Her parents are canonized. So this is beautiful. They were canonized in 2015. So her parents are saints. How many times do you see where parents and the child are all saints? What a family that must have been. To live in. All right. So anyway, what's funny is, you know, these two parents that you see on your screen, when they first got married, they agreed to live as brother and sister. No sexual relations. That's how they agreed when they married. Then they met their confessor and their confessor said, no, no, share and renew the marital covenant. You know, it's interesting because I counsel people in marriages and I found one common denominator. It seems odd, but this is the common denominator I have found. All the people that I talk to, married couples, who are struggling, worried about divorce, not making it, none of them are renewing the marital covenant through, through the sexual marital act, the beautiful act God gives us. None of them. And likewise, all the ones that I meet that are thriving, that are, are, are doing so well, they have and, and are sharing in a strong renewal of the covenant of the Marital Covenant Act. I just find that very interesting. And so this confessor says, no, renew your marital covenant. This is a gift of God. And so then they had nine children. <laughs> so, so they really listened. So, so let's look at the next slide. Because this is the Martin, Martin family. So they had these nine children. Five of the surviving daughters all became nuns. So just think about that. All of the nine, or excuse me, of the uh, five surviving daughters, they all became nuns. Now, her mom died, though, when she was only four, leaving her father and her elder sisters to care for little Therese. Now, little Therese, though, had her sight set on, like her sisters, being a nun. So anyway, at nine, excuse me, at 15, she became one. She actually became a nun, dying later, as I said, a short life at tuberculosis at 24. Well, anyway, she devoted herself to living a life of holiness, 
doing all the things that she did with love and childlike trust. And we're going to come back to this to tell you the importance. All right, so she was known by many for being very simple. She wasn't some great academic. Reminds you of Faustina. And Faustina actually talked to St. Therese. We'll mention that. So anyway, her approach to the spiritual life like Faustina was very simple. All right, so together with St. Francis of Assisi, and I would put on there Faustina and Padre Pio, but it was voted, I don't know who voted, cardinals or bishops or whatever, that the two most beloved saints in the Catholic Church are St. Francis of Assisi, who we did last week, and St. Therese of Lisieux. Now, the greatest saints of our time, I told you, I put as Padre Pio, um, St. Faustina, and John Paul. That was because of their significance, okay? So I don't go back on that. Padre Pio, John Paul II, and St. Faustina, I call the greatest saints of modern times because of the, the, what they did, the significance of the impact they had. But the church has said the most beloved are St. Francis and St. Therese. And these are the saints I'm bringing to you through these talks. We, we're going to do John Paul coming up. We've already done St. Francis. We've already done Padre Pio. We've already done St. Faustina. Today we're doing St. Therese. All right, now, so together, Pius X called her the greatest and most beloved saint of our times. Now, let's look at our next slide, because what's interesting is the Basilica at Lisieux is, being, is the second largest place of pilgrimage in all of France behind, behind only Lourdes. Look at that basilica. Is that not incredible? That's amazing. Build God the best. God should get the best. And so you see on your picture there, the shrine or the basilica at Lisieux is the second largest place of pilgrimage in all the France behind Lourdes. All right, now let's get into St. Therese and what she can teach us and why you're listening today. I'm not just giving you a history lesson. We're going to give you a spiritual lesson on how to live holiness and how to get to heaven per St. Therese. I'm going to summarize thousands and thousands of books and articles and things that have been written about St. Therese, videos and books and, and many writings that have been written about her. I'm going to summarize that all today for you. So if you just pick the, the core of what we teach you today, you'll have enough to be able to know what you got to do according to Therese to get to heaven. All right. She struggled, actually. She wasn't this perfect saint. She struggled in the convent but decided to make an effort to be charitable to all people, especially the ones she didn't care for. That's always a challenge, especially the ones she didn't like. Now, she always performed little acts of charity, little sacrifices, no matter how unimportant they seemed. Now, I want to tell you the example. When I first learned her example, her first example she ever gave was picking up a pen. And she said, I can become holy by picking up a pen. I'm like, what is this? Okay, come on. This is crazy. Now, I'm in seminary. Now, I'm a novice. And Father Mark Barron is making us read the story of a soul. And I'm sitting there going, eh. You know, I'm like, this is just, come on. This isn't right. And man, did I get knocked on my knees when I really learned what our faith has in these saints. Now, St. Therese says, I could become holy by picking up a pen. Now, how is that? All right, most of us wouldn't think twice about seeing a pen on the floor, picking up and putting it back on the desk. None of us would really think much of that. 
This is just one example of every single thing you can do. What did she say? She said, okay, God's universe, what it was and what it is is created in perfect order. The way God created the universe, everything is in perfect order. Sin is a disharmony to that order. Whenever we sin, we create disharmony to the order of the universe. Now that disharmony creates things like plagues and earthquakes, but little simple things like things being out of order. So by simply picking up that pen and saying, out of love for you, God, and the universe you created, I'm going to put the pen back to help in the tiniest way put order back into your universe. That's amazing. You think about all the little things that we could do throughout the day, just offering it up in love to God. Something as simple as, you know, just picking up a pen. So that's why I look at your next slide. This is where St. Therese says, everything is so big in religion. To pick up a pin out of love can convert a soul. What a mystery. Picking up a pen, and she said pin, P-I-N, and I'm using the word pen, either one, out of love for God can convert a soul, can save a soul. Do you realize that? So every time you do something, put something back in order. Every time you do something, you'll hold the door. Somebody just hold the door for me coming in. You can hold the door and say, Lord, I offer this little act up of order to your universe. Please save a soul with it. It's powerful, powerful stuff. All right, these acts helped her to come to a deeper understanding of her vocation. She said that she always dreamed about being a missionary, even though she never went on mission, an apostle or a martyr. Now, yet she was a nun in a quiet cloistered convent in France. So how could she fulfill these longings? How could she do this simply being a simple cloistered nun? She said she found the answer. In the simplest ways, the answer is love. She once wrote, you know well enough that our Lord does not look so much at the greatness of our actions, nor even at their difficulty, but at the love with which we do them. Okay, I get these letters all the time, people saying, Father, is it better to pray 645 rosaries or 1,988 chaplets? Okay, I'm exaggerating, but you see the point. I get these letters all the time, and I always respond, it's best that you pray one, but pray it with the most possible love you can pray it. Okay? This is, this is the answer. Father Mike Gately used to say this all the time. He doesn't have time to do hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of prayer. But what he does have time is to pick some time during the day and go into the chapel and give the Lord the most possible love you can give him. It's way better to spend 15 minutes with our Lord where you are totally engaged in pouring out your heart in love than frantically trying to do 65 rosaries. They are to be done in love. And that was the answer that she found. So, Therese basically said, that's how you do it. She offered herself as a sacrificial victim to the merciful love of God. 
on June 9, 1895. Why is that important? Well, let's look at our next slide. As Father Mike Gately explains in his book, Merciful, 33 Days to Merciful Love, it basically is a consecration to the merciful love of God. You know what that really is? It's consecration to divine mercy. Because we have consecration to Mary, we have consecration to St. Joseph. This is actually consecration to divine mercy. You want to encompass it all? This is it. Consecration to merciful love, St. Therese. And so this was the feast. She did this on the Feast of the Most Holy Trinity. And after that, she noticed that she started getting signs of tuberculosis. So she recognized in her illness the mysterious visitation of her divine spouse, and she welcomed it. She saw Jesus coming into her soul through tuberculosis. How many of us do that? How many of us say, I see the Lord coming into my soul through COVID? None of us say that. This is what we can learn from St. Therese. Wow. She also began to undergo a terrible trial of faith that lasted until her death a year and a half later. Now remember, like Mother Teresa, boy, the media wants to clobber our saints. The media wants to say that Mother Teresa didn't even believe in God. That's malarkey. Mother Teresa didn't feel the presence of God for 40 years, but she certainly had faith and believed. That takes even more faith. It's easy to believe in God when he comes and reveals himself to us, right? And so th that's not it. And this is why Mother Teresa was so powerful was because Mother Teresa, she realized that I don't feel, God kept it away from her. And she's like, why, Lord, are you not revealing yourself? You're not letting me feel you. And he's like, because you have faith. She, 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 she surmises later in her life because she had faith. She wanted God to give those consolations to other people with weaker faith. That's amazing. And so anyway, like Mother Teresa, God seemed silent, but she never rejected him. We always go through that. All of us go through that. JP2 said, her last words, my God, I love you, are the seal of her life. All right. She said, my heaven will be spent doing good on earth. So she's telling us, think about that quote. St. Therese said, my heaven will be spent doing good on earth. So she's basically telling us she's going to intercede for us. I'm going to be doing good on earth. So basically, that's why St. Therese is so powerful. Go to her. Now, let's go to our next slide. Because St. Therese was proclaimed a doctor of the church by John Paul in 1997. Now, who do you see on your screen right there on the slides are only three other women besides St. Therese of Lisieux that were doctors of the church. There's only four. And we're praying for St. Faustina to be the fifth. Please pray. You can visit our website at thedivinemercy.org slash doctor and help us sign our petition to make St. Faustina the fifth doctor. Therese is waiting for her. So who were they? St. Teresa of Avila, St. Catherine of Siena, St. Hildegard, and St. Therese. These are the four women doctors of the church. Now, after, and she was made a doctor exactly 100 years after her birth. Powerful. So she was only the third woman at the time proclaimed. Later came St. Hildegard. So very, very, very powerful stuff. Now, she's a special saint. Even Faustina saw her in a dream. Let's talk about this. Faustina and Therese are partners. You want to get on that team. 
Now, Faustina was too also struggling, just like Therese. Faustina was struggling interior and in the exterior. Nothing worked, but suddenly she had the thought. Okay, so picture this. St. Faustina is struggling. St. Faustina, the perfect saint, right? St. Faustina is saying, Lord, I'm struggling, and I can't overcome these struggles, both interior, inside, and exterior. Mortifications and prayer and interior with with, you know, loving those who annoy her and stuff like that. So, so St. Faustina is basically saying, I'm not making it here. And all of a sudden, she asked Jesus what to do, and guess what came to her? Pray to St. Therese. So St. Faustina started praying to St. Therese, and she said, I had a dream of her, because it was as if she were, get this, still living on earth. Didn't St. Therese just tell us that my job in heaven will be to do good on earth? So, so all of a sudden, Faustina's having a difficult time. She prays to God. He's, she has this feeling, pray to St. Therese. She starts praying to St. Therese. And she says, I feel like she's here on earth with me. Well, she is. And so this is what goes on. So here's what the diary passage 150 said, and I want to read to you. She began to comfort me. This is Faustina talking about Therese. Saying that I should not be worried about a particular matter. Something was bothering Faustina but should trust more in God. Isn't that funny? Somebody telling Faustina to trust more in God. She said, this is Therese. Therese said, I suffered greatly too. But I love uh, Faustina. She tells it as it is. She doesn't mince any words. Faustina said, but I told her I did not quite believe her. <laughs> you gotta love Faustina. But I did not quite believe her. And I said, it seems to me that you have not suffered at all. Can you imagine this dialogue going on between Therese and Faustina? And, and, but St. Therese answered me in a convincing manner that she had suffered very much indeed. And she said to me, Faustina, know that in three days the difficulty you are worried about will come to a happy conclusion. When I was not very willing to believe her, now Faustina's talking, when I was not very willing to believe Therese, she revealed to me that she was a saint. At that moment, a great joy filled my soul, and I said to her, you are a saint. Yes, she answered, I am a saint. Trust that this matter will be resolved in three days. Now, all of a sudden, Faustina doesn't care about her issue anymore. She's fixed on Therese. And I said, dear sweet Therese, tell me, Shall I go to heaven? And she answered, yes, you will go to heaven, Faustina. Will I be a saint? To which she replied, yes, you will be a saint. And so Therese is trying to get back to the topic of her issue. And Faustina keeps going back to, I want to be a saint. But little Therese, shall I be a saint as you are? Raised to the altar. By now, Therese is probably like, okay, Faustina. She answered, yes, you will be a saint just as I am. But you first must trust in Jesus. Faustina then asked her if um, her mother and father would go to heaven. She says, I asked her, will my mother and father go to heaven? And she replied, they would. She further asked, and will my brothers and sisters go to heaven? She told me to pray hard for them and gave no definite answer. Ooh, that's a wake-up call. We need to be praying for our siblings, our loved ones. I understood that they were in great need of much prayer. 
Wow. She said, now this was a dream, and as proverb goes, dreams are phantoms. Only God is faith. Nevertheless, three days later, the difficulty was solved very easily, just as she had said. It was a dream, but it had significance. Wow. Diary 150, pretty powerful. Now, like Faustina, her prayers were very powerful, so we need to ask for them. In 1887, let me tell you one example that I found. There's a million examples I could give of St. Therese, but I only picked a couple because of time. In 1887, when Therese was 14, she documented an amazing event. Listen to this. This is her words now. This is St. Therese talking. I heard of a criminal who had just been condemned to death for some frightful murders. It seemed that he would die without repenting. I was determined at all costs to save him from hell. I used every means I could. So just think, if a stranger convicted of murder can be saved by Therese's prayers, how much more can you save your children, your spouse, your parents, your siblings, your neighbors, your coworkers, she said, I knew that by myself I could do nothing, so I offered God the infinite merits of our Lord, that's what the chaplet is, and the treasures of the church. Don't forget the church. I was quite certain that my prayers would be answered, but to give me courage to go on praying for sinners, I said to God, I am sure you will forgive this wretched man. I shall believe, listen to this, this, this line blew me away here. I am sure you will forgive this wretched man. This is Therese talking to God. I shall believe you have done so even if he does not confess or give any sign of repentance. Whoa, wait a minute, Father, this is heresy. You can't go to heaven without forgiving or repenting. Aha! Diary, 1698. Jesus answers this question, and it all tied together for me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is it. Listen to what Jesus told St. Uh, Faustina. God's mercy sometimes touches the sinner at the last moment in a wondrous and mysterious way. Outwardly, it seems if everything were lost, but it is not so. The soul, illuminated by a ray of God's powerful final grace, turns to God at the last moment with such a power of love that in an instant it receives from God forgiveness of all sin and punishment, while outwardly it shows no sign either of repentance or of contrition. In other words, God's working behind the scenes. You don't see it. I don't see it. God sees it. And with your prayers, you help give the grace for that soul to repent even when it looks like all hope is lost. Okay, because at that stage, they no longer react to external things. Oh, how beyond comprehension is God's mercy. Although a person is at the point of death, the merciful God gives the soul that interior vivid moment so that if the soul is willing, it has the possibility of returning to God. If you've heard my talk on the suicide of my grandmother, you'll recognize that passage is the passage that changed my life. 
That's the passage that says, no matter how bad a soul appears to be, God can step in and with your prayers, you can make a difference. This is St. Therese confirming St. Faustina, confirming what I had written, or for me, confirmed what I wrote in my book that God is teaching us. Incredible. And so, this is what St. Therese said. She says, I'm sure you will forgive this wretched man. I shall believe that you have done so even if he does not confess or give any sign of repentance. It goes to exactly what Therese or, uh, Faustina said in the diary. For I have complete faith in the infinite mercy of Jesus. But I ask you for just one sign of his repentance to encourage me. This prayer was answered. Daddy never allowed, this is Therese talking now, Daddy never allowed us to read any newspapers, but I thought I was justified in looking. Don't you love this again? That's like, that's like Faustina. She wasn't supposed to do it, but she justified it. She snuck a look at the papers. I was justified in looking at the stories about Pranzini. That was the murderer. He had mounted the scaffold without confessing and was ready to thrust his head beneath the guillotine's blade when he suddenly turned, seized the crucifix from the hands of the priest and kissed the sacred wounds three times. Amazing. I had been given my sign and it was typical of the graces Jesus has given to me to make me eager to pray even more for sinners. So all of you listening to this, why does God have you here today? Why does God have you listening today? Why does God have you in this shrine? Why does God have you at home watching this? So that you will be encouraged by these stories of these two saints to pray even more for the conversion of sinners. At the three o'clock hour, we all think about the chaplet. Actually, the number one thing Father Seraphim used to teach us that Jesus said he wants at the three o'clock hour is the prayer for the conversion of sinners. We pray the chaplet because it's meditating on his passion and it's by his passion that sinners are converted. But the number one thing you want to cut right to the gist of it, pray for the conversion of sinners. And she said, it was at the site, guess what? Oh, this just, if you've been with us for these talks, you will see how this seminary training is all flowing together. Because if you remember about a month ago, I did a talk on the precious blood. And I said, all of our devotions could be boiled down to the big four. The sacred heart of Jesus, the immaculate heart of Mary, divine mercy, and what was the fourth one? Precious blood. The precious blood. And I did a whole talk on the precious blood explaining why it's one of the big four. And St. Faustina brought them all together. Now St. Therese is bringing them all together. And she says, At this, all this, God's divine mercy comes together at the sight of the precious blood flowing from the wounds of Jesus that my thirst for souls was born. I gave the souls, I gave souls the blood of Jesus and offered them these purified souls that his thirst, back to Jesus, that his thirst might be quenched. This is chapter five from the story of a soul. Wow. It's all tied together. All these Saturday talks, all of our faith, the saints, they're teaching you consistently the same thing. This is why this is not false matter. This is true, real stuff. She said at one point, she says, some people think it's hard to pray for priests because the priests are so bad. And she says, I was surprised since I think all priest souls are holy. And then she said later, 
However, I met many saintly priests that month, but I also found that in spite of being above the angels by their supreme dignity, can you believe that? The priest is above the angels by the, by the grace of his ordination? <laughs> Trust me, I could be the first one to tell you, it does not mean that we are holy. We are broken. We are just as much need in God's mercy. But the priest is elevated above the angel by his office, by what he was ordained to do. That's why you guys are with us. The Marian priests, their mission is to get you to heaven. So she said, I found that in spite of being above the angels by their supreme dignity, they were nonetheless men and still subject to human weakness. Therefore, they need my prayers. Thank you for all of you. God bless you. You know daily you're in my prayers. I read every one of your letters, your emails, your voicemails, your texts, your online comments. I read every one. And we pray for you. Thank you for your prayers for us. So she said, if you are dealing with sin, like the killer, or weakness, like the priests, she is the saint to go to. Just like Faustina. She developed a whole way to help anyone in such a messed up condition to get to heaven. Even a hardened murderer or a broken priest. So, Therese, I'm listening. Tell me what you got. And what she's got is called the little way. This is the surest, easiest, quickest way, as Father Mike Gately used to talk about, to get to heaven. Now, let's, what is the little way? All right. St. Faustina is right in line with all of this. These two are connected like this. So you can find the essence of this in the diary of St. Faustina, but let me tell you specifically what St. Therese says. Now, Therese was really a great example because she too was broken. She was very scrupulous. She was very moody. This is why I could not relate to St. Therese because I was just like, will she please stop crying? Please, Therese, stop crying. I, it just became annoying for me as a novice and I didn't relate to it. So anyway, her sister, listen to how her sister described her. I have to correct poor baby, they called her poor baby, who gets into frightful tantrums when she can't have her own way. She rolls on the floor in despair, believing all is lost. Sometimes she is so overcome, she chokes. She is a very high, strong child. <laughs> now, sure, all of us can relate to that. It was me yesterday at the airport. We can all relate to this. One day, though, she went so far as to wish her mother would die. Can you imagine a saint wishing her mother would die? Now, there's hope for me because even I haven't done that. So, Therese is a great example. She recanted and was okay. But then, her mother did die. And it sent Therese into a tizzy. Her happy disposition disappeared. She said, quote, I had been so lively and open. Now I became diffident and oversensitive, crying if anyone even looked at me. I was only happy if no one took notice of me. Again, that's why I didn't connect to her. I was like, she's just an oversensitive crier. And then Father Mark Barron taught us what it's all about. Later in 1887... She asked St. Leo XIII if she could become a nun, my favorite pope in the whole world, Leo XIII, together with Therese. And Pope Leo XIII said, 
Do what the superiors decide. You will enter if it is God's will. And she refused to leave his feet. She sat at his feet and screamed. (laughs) Now, if I'm the Holy Father, I'm like, eh, she's not quite ready yet. They had to get a Swiss guard to come and to pick her up, to carry her out of the room. So her father, as another example here, he wrote about her. She's very moody here. So one time, there's another story in her, her, her writings that her father once said about Christmas. Well, fortunately, this will be the last year we have to celebrate like this. And she went into a tizzy. She began to cry. And Celine, her older sister, who was a nun, advised her not to go back downstairs because she was very upset hearing her father say this. All of a sudden, miraculously, Therese stopped crying. She ran downstairs and joyfully got her gifts. She said, quote, in an instant, Jesus, content with my goodwill, accomplished the work in me that I had not been able to do in 10 years. Instant grace. Ask for that gift. So I realized she is a great example for the rest of us who are not capable of super virtue. That's us. She realized this about herself, and that was what she said, I'm a little soul. Totally incapable of anything. Now we're getting to the little way here. So I I set it up by saying, look how messed up she was. Now let's get in to what the little way is. So she realized her messed up, how she was messed up, that she was just a little soul, incapable of doing anything. She understood then that it was on this very littleness that she must learn to ask for God's help. Now you're going to start to see this come together. What is the little way? In her her quest for holiness, she believed that it was not necessary. All of a sudden, this this is really powerful. She began to see, maybe not believe, that it was not necessary to accomplish heroic acts or great deeds. She said, basically, I can't do this. She couldn't to be holy, and to express her love for God. She said, I got to find a new way. I can't do this. I can't fast for 40 days and 40 nights on bread and water. I can't take freezing cold baths. I can't do this. I can't pray for 12 hours in a row in the, in the chapel. I can't do this. But I want to be a saint. I want to be. My heart cries, Lord but I'm going to get discouraged. Most of us do. When we see the saints, sometimes we get discouraged. No. Get encouraged because St. Therese has found a way for you to do it. If you can't do 12 hours a day in the chapel, you can't take freezing cold showers, you can't fast for 40 days and 40 nights, listen to what St. Therese has to say. St. Therese had the answer. It's called the little way. Let's look at our next slide. She wrote, oh, by the way, I skipped a slide. I'm sorry. Um, wait a minute, nine, let me see here. Um, did I mess up here? I think I did. Let me go back because there was one slide. Yes, let's show the slide on the little way. The little way, if Brother Mark can put it up, is a picture of Therese, and this is the best little summary I found of the little way. This one simple sentence. If you want to know all about the little way, it's this one sentence. This summarizes it. Our Lord does not look 
so much at the greatness of our actions or even at their difficulty as much as he looks at the love with which we do them. That's what I just said about praying 100 rosaries or one with love. That's the answer. Now, let's look what St. Faustina wrote. Let's go to our next slide. Love proves itself by deeds. So how am I to show my love? Great deeds are forbidden me. The only way I can prove my love is by scattering flowers, and these flowers are, are every little sacrifice, every glance, every word, and the doing of the least little actions with love, like the pen. Now, she wanted to go to heaven by an entirely new way. This is what she called the little way. Again, see, here's what's going on. Faustina's like, Lord, I desire to get to heaven, but I can't do these great things. But she came to the realization that that desire was real. God's not going to inspire desires in you if you can't do it. In other words, she said, God would never put on my heart the desire to be a great saint if I couldn't somehow be a great saint. So there's got to be a different way. I can't do these huge penances and these huge works. So she wanted to go to heaven by a new way. And she said, listen to this, I love it. I wanted to find an elevator. An elevator that would raise me to heaven. The elevator, she wrote, would be the arms of Jesus lifting her in her littleness. So guess what the way to heaven is? Jesus picking her up in her arms and taking her there. Now, listen to what she says. The elevator would be the arms of Jesus lifting me up in all my littleness. In the evening of this life, I shall appear before you, Jesus, with empty hands. I will be naked. We got nothing other than love. For I do not ask you, Lord, to count my works. She's basically saying, I can't do these great things. So this Francisca preacher came to her and she was all upset. She says, is this, is this, is this bad? And he said, listen, your faults do not cause God to be angry at you. And she said, quote, if through weakness I should chance to fall, May a glance from your eyes, Jesus, straight away cleanse my soul and consume all my imperfections as fire transforms all things into itself. Wow. So basically, works are critically important works, but what type of works are we talking about? If you watched another one of our Saturday talks, the Spiritual and Corporal Works of Mercy, we did not say they are works of the law. We said they are what? Works of love. So even the little picking up of a pen can be what? A work of love. Dr. Stackpole, who works for us here at the shrine, says, you know what this is all about? What is St. Therese teaching us here? Divine mercy. Divine mercy. He said, divine mercy is so central to the spirituality of St. Therese that she literally begins and ends her autobiography in praise of God's merciful love. This is what Father Mike Gately's book is, 33 Days of Merciful Love. It's about Therese. She said, Jesus has made me feel that in obeying, I would be pleasing to him. 
Besides, I'm keeping to be doing only one thing. I shall begin to sing what I must sing eternally. What is that that Therese said? My whole spirituality is based in one song. It comes from Psalm 88. I sing of the mercies of God. It all ties together. Even though I had on my conscience all the sins and weaknesses that I had committed, I would go, my heart broken with sorrow, and throw myself into Jesus' arms. For I know how much he loves the prodigal child who returns to him. All right. She said, it is not because of God, but in anticipation of his mercy that preserved her soul from mortal sin, that she goes to him with confidence and love, not because she's great, but because she's little, and that he loves me. So, St. Therese's confidence and love in divine mercy is the key here. It's the foundation of getting to heaven. The little way is based on being like a little child. Jesus commands this in Scripture. Now, I've also done homilies, you can find on YouTube where I talk about the importance of being like a little child. Why is it important to be like a little child? This ties to the little way. Because when a parent picks up a child and uh, picks somebody up and lifts them up, who are they? A child. You don't see me going to cameraman Giuseppe and lifting him up. I couldn't. He's too big. So God is telling us to be like a little child so that the arms like the elevator can lift you up. This is the little way. And St. Therese is saying, it's not in these great works, but in the love by which we do them. So our works are still important as long as they're done with love. What she's basically saying is that it's not the number of them that matters. It's the love by which you do. Works is still important, but it's the work as simple as picking up a pen by the love with which you do it. So even if it's one Hail Mary, if you do nothing else, you didn't get to pray today, you were hassling with your spouse, hassling with your child, do nothing else. Go to bed and say, one our Father, one Hail Mary, and one glory be, but do it with the most love you could do it. Hear the words. Say them slowly. That's the love. More powerful than an hour, rattling a bunch of prayers that you're not engaged in. This is the message. So this is the little way. It's based on being like a child. Now, Father Vernon Johnson, I found something that he wrote that I had in my seminary notes. I want to pull these out for you because we talked about this. He emphasizes in, in his study of her spirituality, uh, he did some work called spiritual childhood. Now listen to what he says. He summarizes this wonderfully. And this comes from Father Vernon Johnson. On a certain occasion during her li life in Carmel, St. Therese was asked, tell us what we must do to be as little children. What do you mean by keeping little? St. Therese responded, When we keep little, we recognize our own nothingness and expect everything from God just as a little child expects everything from his father. Nothing worries us. Father Johnson said, In those words, she reveals to us the foundation of divine mercy. By looking at her heavenly father's love for her, she learns a secret which is hidden from the wise and the prudent and revealed to only the childlike. Namely, 
Whereas in heaven, the love of God goes out to those who are most like himself, the saints, Our Lady, Jesus. On earth, however, his love goes out to those who are farthest off, the weakest, the outcast, the most sinful. That's the message of mercy. Loving the unlovable, forgiving the unforgivable. Where sin abounds, my mercy abounds the more. She's bringing everything together like St. Faustina to give you an understanding of divine mercy. And what it's basically saying is the key to divine mercy is being little, like a little child, so that Jesus can lift you up. So basically, God, you're little enough that you depend on him for everything, that you don't depend on yourself. This is why Jesus said, when you go out, don't carry a sackcloth and extra tunic and sandals and boots. Go with nothing, because you are going to depend on your true heavenly father. In this life, yes, we have to depend on responsibility of our jobs and paying our bills and all that, but it has to be rooted on a dependence in God. And ironically, that's what the guy next to me in the airplane last night had to remind me as I was having the worst travel day of my life. And what a wake-up call in preparation for this talk today. Is God not amazing? Amazing. So let's keep going here. Let's go to our next slide. In other words, Jesus revealed to St. Therese the divine mercy. You see on your screen the image of divine mercy. Now, what have we taught is divine mercy? Look at that image. Look at the face. Look at Jesus, the divine mercy. And if you're here in the shrine, you can look at the image up to my upper left. Look at that image. Pope Francis, when he wrote his encyclical, Misericordia Voltus, basically said about the image of divine mercy is if you can capture the mercy of God the Father and somehow encapsulate it, somehow capture it, you've got this image. Jesus is the face of the Father's mercy. If you can somehow put the mercy together, Jesus is the walking embodiment of that. And so this is the mercy of God. In other words, the love revealed to Therese in the person of our Lord is merciful love. From her earliest days, she had a special knowledge of divine mercy. And this is what Father Vernon says. And one may say, that this was the great light of her life and the grace proper to her mission. No one, it would seem, was ever more attracted than she was to the mercy of God. Well, she was before Faustina. They go hand in hand. No one penetrated further its unfathomable secrets. No one better understood the immensity of the help that human weakness can draw from it. The mercy of God was the illuminating sun of her soul, S-U-N, to her eyes that threw light upon all the mystery of God in his relations with man. All souls cannot be alike. They must differ so that each divine perfection may receive a special honor in you. You carry an aspect of God. You don't think there's that many aspects of God. Well, we know his omniscience, he's all-knowing, he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful. Do you know that there's so many attributes of God that you personally reflect one of those attributes better than anybody else in the world? I find that amazing. But that's how infinite God's attributes are. And his greatest attribute is mercy. Phenomenal. So basically, all souls, uh, he says, to me, 
He has manif- um, she has manifested, I'm sorry, Faustina said to me, sorry, Therese, <laughs> Therese said to me, he has manifested his infinite mercy. And in this resplendent mirror, I contemplate his other attributes. This is what God does. Do you realize that Therese is paving the way for Faustina? Therese is paving the way for Faustina. It's no unbelievable that she only died eight years before Faustina was born. Amazing. So, if she was made a doctor, this was the reason she was made a doctor of the church. She opened the door to understanding God's mercy, and this is why Faustina needs to be the doctor right behind her. Because she, Faustina, Faust, uh, um, uh, Therese opened the door and Faustina went through it. Father Johnson says, here, St. Therese tells us that all of God's perfections are expressions of his merciful love, even his divine justice. His justice takes account of our weakness and involuntary imperfections, and in a sense, his justice is smoothed over by mercy. All right, what does this mean? What does it mean that God's mercy equals his justice? All right, if you mess up, you are weak, you are broken, God's justice has to deal with it meaning he has to address it. But how does he address it? He says, basically, if you're broken and sinful, then my justice must address it. And how am I going to address it? I'm going to address it by being merciful. His mercy equals his justice. In other words, you've heard me say this expression before. If there's two soldiers on the battlefield and one has a broken fingernail and one is hemorrhaging blood, dying, who has the biggest right to the medic? the one most hemorrhaging blood. On this earth, Jesus is saying, it's not the well that need a physician. It's not the righteous that need a physician. It's the sick, the sinful. This is his mercy. And his justice means he treats those with mercy. It's kind of like the doctor. It's justice that the doctor goes to the guy bleeding to death before he goes to the guy with a broken fingernail. It's justice that the medic will go to the guy dying before he goes to the guy who just has a cut. So Jesus is saying, it's justice that I go to the sinner before the righteous. This is crazy. This is something the Jewish Old Testament would have totally not got. And that's why they're struggling understanding the role of Jesus. But they will come. They will come. Now, he says basically, um, Trez then gives thanks Uh, listen to this. Therese then gives thanks for the opportunity she was given by her mother superior to offer herself as an oblation to God's merciful love. This is what we are to do. She concludes with an expression of complete trust and joy in the merciful care of Jesus for her, no matter what the future may bring. This is amazing. So let's go to the next slide and read what St. Therese has to say. St. Therese says, listen to her words, I know that Jesus cannot desire useless sufferings for us. In other words, Jesus doesn't want you to suffer just to suffer. And that he would not inspire the longings I feel unless he wanted to grant them. What's the longing she feels to be a saint? Well, she's saying he can't inspire me to be a saint if I can't be a saint because I can't do these great things. So there's got to be another way. The little way. Oh, how sweet is the way 
of love. The little way. How I want to apply myself to doing the will of God always and with the greatest self-surrender. This is amazing. So what a beautiful message. So finally, although her oblation to God's merciful love did require great effort, yes, it did, her little way of spiritual childhood would require a very humble spirit. What's the key to being a child? Being humble, knowing you can't do it on your own, knowing that you must be helped. St. Therese was well aware of the fact that she could not live out such ideals by her own strength. She knew they had to come from God. Now, here's what she said. Let's go to our next slide. Ah, Lord, this is Therese talking. I know you don't command the impossible. You know better than I do my weakness and imperfection. This is what we should be saying to God. You know every, very well that never would I be able to love my sisters as you love them. She had trouble with her sisters. You have trouble with your neighbors? You have trouble with your in-laws? Trouble with your spouse? Trouble with your children? Having a hard time to love them? Listen to Therese. She says, you know that never would I be able to love my sisters as you love them. Uh-oh. Unless you, my Jesus, love them in me. It is because you wanted to give me this grace that you made your new commandment to the apostles. Love each other as I have loved you. That's in scripture. He says to the apostles, love each other as I have loved you. So she's clicking here. She's getting it. She's saying, oh my gosh, Lord, I see it now. I'm not the one who can love them. It's beyond me. I want, they drive me crazy. But if you in me love them, that's the answer. Oh, how I love this new commandment since it gives me the assurance that your will is to love in me all those you command me to love. So basically she's saying, I wash my hands clean of this. Lord, you got to come into me and love them through me. I can't love them like that. And he did. Basically, God does the work, not you. You can't. So you pray for the grace that God will. You get frustrated that I pray and I pray and I still can't do it? Yeah. Pray and pray that not you do it, God does it. Let's watch a quick video of St. Therese and this whole message that is just three minutes. It's only three minutes long, but St. Therese sums it up great in these quotes. Let's take a three-minute break and watch this video. St. Therese of Lisieux was born in France, January 2nd, 1873. At a very young age, she entered religious life at 15 years old, cloistered for less than 10 years, then dying at age 24. Many miracles were attributed to her intercession, and 28 years later, 1925, she was canonized St. Therese of Lisieux. In 1997, she was given the designation Doctor of the Church. She was the 33rd Doctor of the Church and the youngest one ever in the history of 2,000 years of Catholicism. Here are my top 10 quotes of St. Therese of Lisieux.
Okay, so there's some great quotes to live by that summarize everything we've been talking about. The St. Therese has found this new little way. It's a way that all of us can get to heaven. There's no excuse for any of us not to make it to heaven if we don't learn and follow this little way. Again, she's saying it has to be real or God wouldn't inspire it in me. Now, why do we call her the little flower? Let's look at our next slide. This is, and you also have the St. Therese Chaplet, which if I have time, I'll get to, and the little flower rosary. But why do we call her the little flower? All right. Dr. Robert Stackpole, again, our theologian here, says several times in her autobiography, she refers to herself as the little flower. Now, why? He says she loved flowers, all right, and she cultivated them. Ever since she was a very little girl, she saw that flowers needed constant care. They needed to be nurtured in order to grow and blossom. Otherwise, they would die. You know, I meant... Um, Lou Holtz yesterday, I was in his home yesterday doing an interview for our EWTN show. What an amazing man. And he said, you know, every single thing in this world is either living or dying or is growing or dying. A tree is either growing or it is dying. A blade of grass is either growing or dying. He said, your soul is either growing or dying. And so St. Therese realized this with a flower. She says it's a symbol of God's personal care for her soul that he wants to nurture it. And your soul is either growing or dying. Let it be like a flower, growing. So why a little flower? Why do we say a little flower, not just a flower? Why don't we just call her the flower? If Paris, uh, uh, Paris is listening, she's a big Montreal, one of our Marion Halper, she's a big Montreal Canadian, uh, Canadian hockey fan, and she'll know who the flower is. Guy Lafleur, one of my favorite players of all time. He was called the flower. Why do we call St. Therese the little flower? All right. As the youngest child in the Martin household, it could be, I mean, it's pretty common sense that she would be known as the little one. Being called the little one was probably natural to her. So, when the Lord fashions his saints, she basically said, he utilizes, listen to this, who they are naturally to develop who they'll become supernaturally. So St. Therese is this little girl, this little flower. That's what she'll grow into supernaturally, a great little flower. Now, back to Father Vernon Johnson. He wrote about this in spiritual childhood, and I find this fascinating. He said, God had a special purpose in mind in leading Therese to understand the meaning of littleness. Now, he's going to talk to a child. Aren't all children little? Uh-uh. You probably have a child like I was at four years old that was planning the, week, the family vacation. <laughs> so sometimes a child is not little. A child wants to be an adult. But the true little child follows his father and mother. God our father, Mary our mother. Listen to what Father Johnson says. Unless you be converted and become as little children. He's talking about Jesus here. You shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's, that's our Lord's words. Unless you be converted and become like little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is confirming this message of Therese and Faustina. 
Our Lord did not merely say that she must be converted and become a child. He said she must become a little child. Now a child can have a certain, to a certain extent, an independent life of its own, calling upon its parent only when moments of need. I was like that. I was independent. I wanted to go down the road and play with my friends. I didn't want my mom to drive me down there. I wanted to take my own bike. A little child cannot do this. It has no life of its own. It is completely dependent on its parent and so lives with perfect serenity and trust within the parent's protection. You are to be that way, even though you are an adult. God is your father. Mary is your mother. For St. Therese, the word little, which many would like to eliminate from her teaching, is the key to everything. She has made the fatherhood of God, listen to this, man, he nailed it, this Father Vernon Johnson. She has made the fatherhood of God live anew for thousands of the faithful by calling us back from being children with a more or less independent life of our own to become little children as our Lord would have us. Little children with no independent life at all, but, dependent, but depending absolutely on our heavenly father just like a little child depends on their earthly father and mother. And so calling us to a fresh realization of the fatherhood of God, what is divine mercy? Jesus takes us to the Father, the face of the Father's mercy. And so calling us to a realization of the fatherhood of God, Therese enables us to move through life with serenity and confidence, which is the prerogative of the childlike soul. For she makes known to us one of those secrets which God has hid from the wise and the learned. This is scripture. And reveals only to little ones. He didn't say to children, he said to little ones. It is in this sense that the present Bishop of Lisieux is never weary of saying that St. Therese has shed a new light on one of the oldest and most fundamental of Catholic doctrines. God is our Father. God is merciful. That's it. You acknowledge this, you will get to heaven. Try to do it your own way. You will not. The heart of St. Therese is the little way. It's therefore the way of spiritual childhood, the way of trust, complete self-surrender, he said. Therese knew that in almost every respect she was not a remarkable person. I think you and I can say the same thing. We're not the president. We're not Tom Brady. We're, 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 we're none of that. We're not um, Bill Gates, thankfully, in some sense. But you see what I'm saying. This is God picks the ordinary little person. She was not an intellectual giant. She did not have great natural talents. She couldn't even sing that well. Hey, there's hope for me. 
she was likely to achieve nothing. Yet, she had the desire. She was not a great missionary, preacher, martyr, or hero of the faith that we see in so many other saints. She's a different kind of saint, one for us. Yet, she did long in her heart to be a saint. As a result, her underlying struggle was, quote, how can a simple, ordinary person like me become one of Jesus' most beloved saints? We heard how. Listen to this. Listen to this summary of her to become a saint. It is a question that most of us who follow Christ want to have answered because like Therese, most of us are not destined for greatness. We're not we're not destined to be some rich or mighty or king or MVP. Most of us are ordinary. But that's who God's talking to here. The high and the mighty and the rich, they got their own way. Their own way is their way. Now, that doesn't mean somebody can't still get to heaven, like Tom Monaghan is very wealthy, but he's done it and he's going to do it. All right, so St. Therese found the answer. Now, here's where I want to finish. St. Therese's answer to this dilemma was her little way. Now, listen to her own words. I'm going to read you a quote from her autobiography. Instead of becoming discouraged, I said to myself, God can't inspire unrealizable desires. I can then, in spite of my littleness, aspire to holiness. It is impossible for me to grow up. Hey, I can use that as an example, right? Father, you're like a little kid. Yeah, it's impossible for me to grow up. Giving these talks, talking about my faith, living my faith, I want to jump up and down. I want to be like a little kid at Christmas that's been given a gift called salvation. Please don't let me drop it. I feel like that little kid jumping up and top on the rooftop, screaming, don't, don't, don't let me mess up, Lord. And he's saying, you won't as long as you sit in my arms. That's what a little kid does. And so we want to be like that. In that sense, we don't need to grow up. Now, I'm not saying not to be, not to be mature or something like that. Of course, we have to be like that. But we can't get ahead of ourselves. This is what St. Therese is telling us. She says, basically, um, it's impossible for me to grow up. And so I must bear with myself such as I am, with all my imperfections. But I want to seek out a means of going to heaven by a little way, a way that is very straight, very short, and totally new. We are living now in an age of inventions. We talked about the elevator. And we are no longer have to take the trouble of climbing the stairs. <laughs> She's like, I'm looking for a shortcut here. I don't have the wind to be able to get up those stairs. It's kind of funny. You remember that, that, that runner in the Boston Marathon or New York Marathon back in the 70s? And he was running the marathon and all of a sudden they're waiting at the finish line and he comes around the corner and everybody's cheering and celebrating. He won the marathon. He won the marathon. They found out that he cut through. He didn't run the whole marathon. He cut through. And he said later it was because he knew he couldn't run the whole, <laughs> he couldn't run the whole race. That's basically what St. Faustina is saying, or uh, St. Therese is saying. 
that, that I can't run this race. But if you find a way that's too, what does they say? The shortest distance between two points is a straight line. That's all she's finding. She's giving you the straight line. So basically, she's saying we're living in this age of inventions. We are no longer have to take the trouble of climbing the stairs. For in the homes of the rich, an elevator has replaced the stairs. I wanted to find an elevator which would raise me to heaven. For I am too small to climb the rough stairways to perfection. You ever see a baby trying to get up the stairs? Now, a child does get up the stairs and sometimes falls and gets themselves in trouble. A toddler. But you ever see a two-month-old infant? They can't. What does the parent do? The parent goes down, picks the child up at the base of the stairs, puts them in their arms, and takes them to the top of the stairs. St. Therese is saying, Lord, let me be like that two-month-old infant. Not the toddler who's going to get in trouble, but the little child. And you pick me up in your arms, and you carry me to the top. In other words, it doesn't depend on me. And she says, for I am too small to climb the rough stairs to perfection. I searched them. I searched then in the scriptures from some sign of this elevator. So here's Therese. She said, I have this idea. I have this inspiration that Jesus' arms are the elevator, but I need to confirm it. I, I, I searched it in the scriptures. What did she find? What did she find? The object of my desire, she says here, I searched for some sign of this elevator, the object of my desires, and I read these words coming from the mouth of Scripture. Quote, Whoever is a little one, let him come to me. It's Proverbs 9.4. And so I succeeded, Therese said. I felt I had found what I was looking for. But wanting to know, oh my God, what you should do to the very little one who answered your call, I continued my search, and this is what I discovered. As one whom a mother caresses, so will I comfort you. You shall be carried at the breasts, and upon the knees they shall caress you. This is Isaiah 66. Basically, St. Faustine... You know, that shows the connection between St. Faustine and St. Therese here. Basically, St. Therese is saying, in Scripture she found where God said, I will carry you at my breast. Ah, never did words more tender and more melodious come to give joy to my soul. The elevator, which must raise me to heaven, is your arms, O oh Jesus. And for this, I had no need to grow up but rather had to remain little and become this more and more. That is trust. Trust is completely allowing yourself to be carried by another. Trust is letting yourself be directed by another. Trust is accepting the help somebody offers you. A little infant at the baby stairs has to accept the help its parent takes when he puts him in her arms and goes up to the top of the stairs. This is the whole meaning of the little way. Oh my God, you surpassed all my expectation. I want only to sing your mercies. All right, so Dr. Thatcher weighs on this to finish up. He says, Faustina, 
and Therese and Mother Teresa understood the importance of all this. This little way concept dramatized the truth that great love, not great deeds, is the essence of sanctity. Again, we're not canceling out the talks we did on the works of mercy. The works of mercy, you will need to get to heaven. But what are the works? Love. Not necessarily cleaning out the freezer at the soup kitchen and think that's going to buy your way into heaven. That's a work. It's not a work of love unless you do it with love. Then it matters. If you're doing it just to get recognized, it doesn't have merit. She wrote in her memoirs that we should not be afraid of God even though we sin. We should stumble to our feet and continue our advance to God. Never let your feeling of being hypocritical keep you from mass or prayer. Well, I shouldn't go. I'm in sin. That's exactly why you should go. The little flower wrote that she wanted to start extolling now the mercies of the Lord, which I shall go on doing for all eternity. Like Faustina, she realized that to become a saint, one must suffer and that we entrust ourselves to God, the Father, in his arms. She said, the mercy of God will be with us always. All right, last paragraph. You're hanging in there. God bless you. I wanted to give the example of the rosary when she said, I can't do great things. She even referred to prayer. Any of you here ever have difficulty praying the rosary? Nah, none of you. Nah, right? Any of you get distracted while praying the rosary? Nah, none of you. Yes, you do, I do, we all do. Listen to what she said about praying. This is what she means by little. You ever have trouble? You ever get distracted? You ever mind wander? You ever feel like you didn't really pray it? You just said the words? Listen to St. Therese. But when alone, and I am ashamed to admit it, the recitation of the rosary is more difficult for me than wearing an instrument of penance. I feel I have said the rosary so poorly. I force myself in vain to meditate on the mysteries of the rosary. This is a saint saying, I force myself in vain to meditate on these mysteries. I don't succeed in fixing my mind on them. For a long time, I was desolate about this lack of devotion, which astonished me. For I loved the Blessed Virgin Mary so much that it should be easy for me to recite in her honor the prayers of the rosary, which are pleasing to her. Sound familiar? Now I am less desolate. I think that the Queen of Heaven, since she is my mother, must see my good will, and she is satisfied with that. In other words, just the effort you're making is enough for God. Sometimes when my mind is in such uh, distraction that it is impossible to draw forth one single thought to unite me with God, I very slowly recite, this is what I've been telling you to do, very slowly recite, one Our Father, one Hail Mary, and one Glory Be. Then these prayers give me great delight. They nourish my soul, which more than if I had recited a hundred rosaries. Wow. The Blessed Virgin shows me she is not displeased with me, for she never fails to protect me as soon as I invoke her. If some disturbance overtakes me, some embarrassment, I turn very quickly to her, and as the most tender of mothers, she always takes care of my interests. Amazing Wow. 
You know, she is a great saint. But, you know, people get confused. Like, you know, I wanted to mention, I, I have to say this before we go, that she's the patron saint of aviators and missions. She never flew a plane. She never went on a mission. How crazy is the church? Well, listen to this. Let's look at our next slide. Our next slide is St. Therese. Her feast day is, um, I'm sorry, a story of a soul. We're showing story of the soul, right, Brother Mark? So story of a soul is on the screen. This is her autobiography. Now listen to what she says in here. In her autobiography, she talks about this little way. And this autobiography, the story of a soul, had just come out and was very popular in World War I. Now, World War I broke out and many soldiers, listen to this, on both sides were turning to St. Therese. So you got the Germans, German Catholicism was still strong then. You had the French. Both sides reporting seeing visions of a young nun. It's like seeing Padre Pio with the bombers. Remember I did the talk on Padre Pio, the pilots? Therese had not yet been canonized, but they would see this young nun comforting wounded men no matter what side they were on. Interesting. Various nationalities, didn't matter which side of the battlefield. In response to this, many soldiers began carrying pictures of Therese with them into battle. She became a special favorite of French pilots. And this is where her intercession for aviators began. Isn't that awesome? You know, she was never on a mission, but she's a patron saint of missions. Why? Because she had the desire to do so. This is why it's the desire, not the perfection that God looks at. What did I read just earlier? God doesn't look at the number of our falls Looks at the number of times we desire to get up. You got to go to confession a hundred times for the same sin? Come on. I always tell people who come to me for confession. I don't care. I have some beautiful employees that come to me regular for confession. I say, you know what? I don't care if you have to come to this confessional every day. I mean, I do care. But as long as you're trying. And I said that before about a priest I met when I was struggling 25 years ago. And I gave my confession, and he said, you know what? You're a good person. You're okay. I said, Father, did you hear my confession? And he said, listen, listen. This is the fact is that you're here. The fact is that you care. It's when you don't come that you got to start worrying. And this is why we celebrate St. Therese. Let's look on the screen every October 1st. I missed her because Saint, my St. Francis talk went long. Yes, her feast day was October 1st, but we haven't forgotten her. God bless, and through the intercession of St. Therese, you know, we want to say a couple quick things, just throw a couple quick slides. Become a Marian helper. Share in these graces. Brother Mark's going to show it. If you haven't done it already, be part of our Marian family. Share in our graces of our rosaries, our prayers, and our penances. St. Therese is a very powerful force for us. Join us at micprayers.org. Become a Marian helper. It doesn't take but 10 seconds and costs nothing. 
please join us. And then finally, my talks, you can get on the DVD called Explaining uh, the Faith at shopmercy.org or 800-462-7426. You can see that on your screen. And then the last two are the books that I talk a lot about this, these types of things on Saturday mornings, Understanding Divine Mercy. You can also get it at shopmercy.org or at 1-800-4-MARION or the After Suicide book if you're looking to help somebody who is suffering, not just from suicide, but from any suffering or loss. And so with that, may Almighty God, through the intercession of St. Therese of Lisieux, bless you and keep you safe in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen, Amen and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.